said, we have lots of fun things happening today. So I would like the children to come up and sit on this front row. Or you can sit on the rug. If you'd like to sit on the rug, you can do that. And if you think you're a child, but your body looks bigger than a child, you're welcome to come up here too. That's, somehow, that's sometimes how I feel. I bump my head on something and I think, oh, I'm so tall. Come on. So we're going to talk about Jesus being our shepherd. Hey, don't push. I feel like the shepherd with all these sheep. So we have a very real physical sheep with us this morning. You might have heard him, her, him. Is it a her or a him, Ms. Ruth? It's a him. It's a him. All right. And where is Pastor Samuel? Is he coming? Oh, yeah. Come on up, Pastor Samuel. See, these are my friends, Pastor Samuel and Ruth. And Pastor Samuel's a pastor of a church, but he's also a shepherd of real sheep. And when I thought, well, we need to talk about the church being the flock of God, we need to learn a little bit about that because most of us never get to touch a real sheep, right? And you guys are going to get to touch the sheep in children's church. We have to stay here and talk. Uh, but you guys get to go and touch the sheep. So I've asked Pastor Samuel to tell us a little bit about what it is to be a shepherd of real sheep. So welcome, Pastor Samuel. We're so glad you're here. Take it away. Oh, yeah. I'll use the, the white one. Can I use both? What do you think the What do you think the sheep is saying? Think about that. Uh, maybe so. É um prazer muito grande estar aqui com vocês. É um privilégio. I hope that you like New Zealand accents. <laughs> he says it's a great privilege for me to be here. Eu estou aqui para falar do trabalho do pastor com a ovelha. So here I am to talk about the pastor's work with the sheep. E se tem uma coisa que pastor e ovelha tem que caminhar junto e se entender. If there's something that a pastor needs to do with a sheep, it's to understand and walk together. O que um pastor mais precisa para caminhar com a ovelha é amar Jesus Cristo e amar as ovelhas. What does a pastor need to walk together with its sheep, to go together with its sheep, it's to love Jesus and to love, <laughs> and to love uh, the Lord. No, love the Jesus and to love the sheep. E ensinar as ovelhas a amar os cordeiros, ensinar as ovelhas a amar um ao outro, mais do que isso, ensinar as ovelhas a amar Jesus Cristo. To, so to sheep, teach a sheep to love the, the pastor, to teach the sheep to love the lamb, and to teach the sheep to love each other and to love Jesus. Up on the table, would that help? So that table was to help you guys too. Uh, the the, sheep, the sheep will jump off yeah. and run away. I just think people in the back can't quite see. We'll it put her on a chair. Maybe on a chair up in front. I think she's. I think he's saying, "Where's my mama?" Is he a good? Yeah. Okay. Can you sit on the chair, please? 
E Jesus Cristo fala desse relacionamento dele com as ovelhas. Jesus talks about his relationship with the, with his sheep. Mas antes de começar a falar desse relacionamento de Jesus Cristo conosco, vocês têm que entender que Jesus Cristo foi sacrificado como esse cordeirinho. So before we talk about to Jesus relationship with the sheep, you have to understand that Jesus was sacrificed just like this lamb. Que maldade você vê nesse cordeiro? Can you see any evil in this lamb? Além de estar chamando pela mamãe. Other than the fact that it's calling its mother all the time. Esse bichinho representa Jesus Cristo. This little lamb represents Jesus. E vocês estão vendo isso hoje aqui dentro da igreja. So you can see that here today. E é isso que Jesus Cristo quer de mim, quer de você, o amor de Cristo dentro de nós. And this is what the Lord wants of us. Uh, Jesus love in us. Posso fazer uma pergunta? Pode fazer pergunta. Essa essa ovelha conhece tua voz? Conhece. Okay. So, can I ask you a question? Yes. Does this sheep uh, know your voice? Yes, it does. How, how, how do you know that the sheep knows your voice? Como você sabe que a ovelha conhece a sua voz? Quando normalmente eu vou chamar o rebanho, eu chamo eles e eles vêm atrás de mim. Quando eu vou chamar, uh, sorry, when, when I go and call the flock, then I call them and they come after me. Cool. How, how do you call the flock? Can you do that for us right here? Like, how, what, if you're going out to call the flock, what would you do? Sing the song or say what? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so that's how, that's how he calls She's, the sheep. These ears, they're kind of bad. Ela conhece a voz do pastor e vem tudo atrás de mim. So they, they know the pastor's voice and they come after me. How do you know that this is your sheep? How do you know that? Como você sabe que essa é sua ovelha? Ah, elas nascem e eu vou tratando delas desde pequenininhas. They, they're born and I'm caring for them right from the time they're born. So they were born at your house? Uh, yeah. Sim, elas nascem todas lá. Sim. So all, all of them were born at our house. Do you, how do you take them from one place to another? Can you describe that? Like if you want them to go from the fold down to where they eat, how do you do that? How do you take them? Como vocês levam de um lugar para outro? Do aprisco? Normalmente eu as chamo e elas vêm atrás de mim de um aprisco para o outro. Usually I call them and they just come after me from one place to the other. Usually, in actual fact, what he gets is some corn and a bucket and he goes shaking it and they come after the corn. <laughs> so it helps to have some food with you too, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. Do you guys have any questions for Pastor Samuel about that sheep? What, Glenda? Oh, good. What's his name? Does he have a name? No, this, kid, this sheep's name. Shushu. Ah, Shushu. Not done the form No, What else? Any other question? Yeah, how did you get him here? They didn't have a shepherd's crook and walk all the way to Calvary, right? You want to know how, how we got him? He was down with his mum, and I went down and got him. It was dark. And I put him back up. He's kind of heavy, so I put him back up, and that's okay. We put a, a dog's uh, one of those harnesses Hard. on him, and I tied him up so I could get have a have a quick shower. And when I went out again, he was gone. <laughs> so, so after the shower, the sheep is gone, and what happened? 
So now hand me the shower, you think for later. Oh, you did. So oh. I hear him, meh, and his mother down below, meh. <laughs> and so, oh no, he's escaped. So off I went down, and, but he was listening to his mother and running to, to her voice. And, but he didn't know the way, so he jumped in the creek. And I had to jump in the creek after him. <laughs> <laughs> he was stuck in the creek in him. I was almost stuck in the creek. <laughs> so I, I came with him in my arms, and I was a wet, and so was he. <laughs> so I came in the back of the car, crying all the way. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming. Ruth, would you just say a word about Action Brazil? Ruth is the director, the executive director, of the mission that Susanna and I serve, and Josue and Cynthia that we prayed for a few minutes ago are also members of Action International Ministries in Brazil. So just tell us quickly what that is. Okay, you probably know quite a lot, and uh, Una that you just heard about is also Josue and Cynthia, and some of their team are part of Action. So it's an international Christian organization that works in about 35 countries around the world. It's got missionaries from around about that many countries as yeah, well. particularly Action Brazil. Okay, Action Brazil has projects here in Sao Paulo, in the northeast, in the south, and we're principally involved in evangelizing amongst uh, needy communities, but not exclusively, so we've got quite a lot of pastor development training things as well. And if you want something to do, if you've got spare time, we've got stuff for you to do. <laughs> um, We've, I can see Julio, who's an action missionary. He's yeah, right Ju there. Julio's here mm. from Guinea-Bissau. He's joined us as an action Brazil missionary as well. Just raise your hand there, Julio. Yes. Speaks Portuguese. So. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you for coming. Children, you're going to get the lamb all to yourselves now. So you guys, can, why don't you guys head out first, follow Miss Vanessa, and then Shushu's uh, coming to see you. All right. So, how, how much like that sheep are you? That's my question to me, myself, and to you this morning. And if you like... I'm having a little hard time because I left my iPad at the house today and I've got my computer. But John chapter 10 that Naomi read so well for us the other uh, few minutes ago is so full of good nuggets. Um, and I've learned that I preach really bad sermons when I try to take too much at one time. It's like taking too big of a bite and you can't chew it. So I'd like us to focus specifically this morning on one verse that she read, and it's toward the end, verse 27. Very well known. There are songs written about this verse, uh, and it's what I want us to, to uh, include in our series this morning, which is called A Bride Fit for the King. The subtitle is What the Bible Says About the Church. So what I've been trying to do is take biblical metaphors of the church, because the only way to understand God is through metaphor. There's no way we can understand an infinite, invisible God. So he uses metaphors. In fact, I would 
postulate to you today that he creates metaphors so that we can know his glory. He created fatherhood and family so that we could understand him as father and ourselves as children of God. He created sheep and shepherds so that we could understand him as a shepherd. Um, and so verse 27 is really where we're going to focus this morning. If you've got your Bible there, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, Susanna, my computer just let me know that the battery is running out. Would you run up to my office and get my charge cord? I was at a men's retreat all weekend. I left there at 5 this morning to get here on time. Uh, so my computer's a little, a little dead this morning. How many shepherds can you think of in the Old Testament that followed God? Shepherds are really important to the story of God. Starting with Abel, Adam and Eve's son, of course, Abraham and all his descendants, Isaac and Jacob and all of the 12 patriarchs, David, who is probably the, the greatest precursor of the Messiah, was not only a king. He could have just been a warrior king. He was a shepherd first. He learned to be a warrior being a shepherd. And I think that speaks about our Messiah. He's our shepherd today. He's coming as the warrior king, right? So the Lord loves shepherds. The Lord loves sheep. My father worked with Wycliffe Bible translators, and they uh, discussed whether they should... How do you tell an Indian in the jungle what a shepherd is, what a sheep is? How do you describe that relationship? Should we say, well, he's a, a capivada? We're a capivada, and he takes care of the capivada? Well, no, that doesn't translate. So they decided to describe sheep, to draw pictures of sheep, to tell everything about a shepherd so that they could understand that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The context of John 10 is the healing of the man born blind and having that man be thrown out of the temple by the Pharisees. So the man has had this amazing transformative experience with the true Messiah, and he's trying to let the Pharisees know that this is what has happened. And the Pharisees cannot see past their box of religious rules and regulations. Are you okay, Susanna? Excuse me. Okay. Uh, to the fact that the Messiah had come. And so Jesus starts right out. In fact, in the NIV, it says, Jesus said to the Pharisees. That's not really in the, the Greek, but it says, truly, truly, I say to you, what he's talking about is the false shepherds of the flock of God. The false shepherds who are the Pharisees. And he, he goes into a long description, which I was tempted to go verse by verse through, but we just don't have time for that this morning. And he talks about thieves and robbers which probably means uh, silent taking and armed robbery. So it's the difference between confronting the owner and taking from his hand what he owns and silently sneaking in and stealing. He talks about the wolf, and then he talks about hired hands, which I like the Portuguese translation of that word, which is mercenario. Mercenary shepherds. Shepherds who go for the highest price, who are in it for the gain, who want to just feed off of the sheep. And many commentaries mention Ezekiel 34 in this context. Uh, I'll just read a few verses, but the whole chapter is very rich 
with connection to God's heart as the shepherd of, the shepherd of his flock. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself, uh, no, backing up a little bit, uh, Ezekiel 34.1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the, the fat ones, and you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and the force and with force and harshness you have ruled them. If you think about false teachers, if you think about those who are teaching for itching ears to hear, if you think about teachers who are teaching to fill up temples and seats with the gospel so that, or with people, so they can uh, get along. Uh, uh, hey, you found it. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Those are those false teachers. Mercenaries. As we look for a pastor, as we pray for a true shepherd, let's pray that the Lord gives us a shepherd who follows the Lord and who lays down his life for the sheep. Yes, he should live off of his work. Yes, he should receive return from the gospel. That's clearly biblical. But he's not in it for the money, not in it for the gain. And let me tell you, neither are you. Neither are you. What is this idea of the sheepfold? Some people have interpreted that as when Jesus says, I have sheep in other folds, uh, that that could be other religions. I think Alain Kardec mentions that, and those who follow his line. That maybe Buddhists can also go to heaven. Maybe Jesus can be uh, the Savior and a person not believe that he is God's son. That is not true. That's not what Jesus is talking about because it certainly doesn't agree with other scripture. Only scripture has the full authority to interpret scripture. And so when you have a question like that, you interpret it with verses like John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way. In fact, he says in this passage, I must go after them so that they can come and we'll have one flock and one shepherd. So I think the better interpretation of the sheepfold is other groupings in the body of Christ, other cultures, other uh, countries and places and times. This is the mission of the church. We are to be finding all who are true sheep of the good shepherd and bringing them together so that all things converge in Christ, like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, one more quick interpretation before we go into the three points of the sermon, and that is gatekeeper. I spent a lot of time meditating on that word in the last two weeks. Who is the gatekeeper? Because Jesus says, I'm the door, and the gatekeeper opens and lets me in. And then he becomes the good shepherd. He says, before me, all who came were hired hands. They were all false. They were all robbers because there was no door. There was no door. We're going to talk about that a little later. But I think the gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit. The gatekeeper opens our eyes and opens Christ's body so that we can come in to him in a saving way. He gives us the grace and mercy to see our sin and to believe that Jesus 
is sufficient. And so I want to ask you one more time, and I'm going to ask you again at the end, how much alike are you with this sheep? Do you need a shepherd? Do you know your need for a shepherd? And whom are you following? So three, three ideas here from verse 27, primarily. That is uh, communication, identification, and mobilization. Primarily to help you be able to review this as you go to sleep tonight. Okay, what were the three points again? It's easy to remember because they're all rhyming. Communication, identification, and mobilization. When I first put this together, I thought, well, obviously, identification with Christ comes before communication with Christ. But that's not what the Bible says. Verse 27 says, my sheep, what? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So what's communication? Communication is... Jesus calling us like he called Lazarus out of the tomb of sin. In the dark coldness of our self-absorbed hearts, we suddenly understand like a ray of light or some whisper of sound like that call of the sheep during the prayer time. There's something calling me. God is calling me forth into life, out of sin, out of myself. And you begin to wake up. You hear something. You may not even know what it is at first. But you begin to, to walk in the sound, toward the sound of that voice that seems so loving. And you communicate with the Savior. Verse 3 of John 10. Shed some light on this. Uh, to him, the, the good shepherd, the, sh the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the Holy Spirit opens the gate of your mind. The word says that the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit and he comes and he pulls up that veil or he pulls off the, the block in your ears and then you hear a sound. And guess what the sound is? Your name. Do you know Jesus knows your name? I love the story of Lazarus and the rich man because Lazarus has a name and the rich man doesn't. And that's an indication that he has heard his name called. Revelation says you have a new name. You don't even know what it is yet. And Jesus knows it. You hear him say your name because he knows you. The good shepherd knows his sheep. The good shepherd calls his sheep. Our daughter said recently that she thinks Pastor Bill's voice should be the narrator of her story. I was thinking about that this week and thinking, I can close my eyes and remember Pastor Bill talking to me in this room. Can you? If you've been here a long time, you know the voice of Pastor Bill like a good shepherd. In the light of his following Christ, we followed him and we knew the Good Shepherd through Pastor Bill's kind, loving, but very truthful, objective teaching of the Scripture.
That's what we're looking for now. Somebody that hears their name from the shepherd and then shepherds in the, in the wake of Jesus' love for them. Do you know the shepherd's voice? I heard that voice when I was seven and said, come out. Come out of the broad road to destruction. You are going to hell. You are the son of a missionary. And if you die today, you will go to hell because you have not come to me and rested in the fullness of my grace and the finished work of the cross. And I did it as a seven-year-old. Came to him. And ever since then, I've been learning to discern his voice from all the other voices, my own included. And that's what the world is about. Don't worry that you haven't heard anything or that it doesn't sound like anything in your brain. It's not physical. It's the voice that Isaiah or that Elijah heard on the mountain. Remember? The wind, the fire, the earthquake were not God. What was? The soft whisper. The still, small voice that you had to get very, very quiet and alone to suddenly know. It's like you know it without it ever passing through your ears. That's the voice. Do you communicate with the Good Shepherd? Second is identification. Identification is knowing who you are because you know, know whose you are. And see, again, this starts with the Good Shepherd. The sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now, wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus know everyone? No, he doesn't. He knows about everyone. He says that in the end, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we minister in your name? Didn't we do great works in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. I didn't know you. And so that encourages me toward confession in a life of repentance because I can let him know me. I can say, Jesus, search me and know my anxious heart. I open myself to you. I confess my my sin, my selfishness, whatever he convicts me of, so that he does know me better and better and better. And that's what Psalm 139 is all about. Search me. Know me. I want to be your sheep. I want to walk at your feet as my good shepherd. Listen to what Ezekiel says about the good shepherd now. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep. And will seek them out. This is Ezekiel 34. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land, and I'll feed them on the mountains of Israel. And on and on he goes as a good shepherd claiming that he will gather the flock into one flock. And that's what Jesus is fulfilling in John chapter 10. Whom are you following? Whose are you? Do you belong to a political party? Do you belong to a football team? Do you belong to a certain style or way of life or diet? More than you belong to Jesus? Jesus wants you to belong to him. He paid the price for our lives. And our identification must be in him. Now this happens in a very specific way. And it's described in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. And I'd like to just read that with you because this is uh, where we need to each be and go back over and over again. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. Now, what curtain is that? The veil in the temple. That was rent. That is through his flesh. In a moment, we're going to share communion. And Jesus says, my body was torn open so that you could come in through the wounds of my very flesh under the curtain of my blood, be washed of your sin and be part of my body, part of my flock through the door, not over the wall, not just coming to the building to meet on Sunday morning, but coming into Christ through his sacrifice and suffering. Our identification with him is our identification with his suffering. And so you say, Jesus, I believe that your stripes heal me. Your blood is my blood poured out and I accept that and I come into you. Now I am part of you. I belong to you. I am in Christ. Count how many times that phrase is used in the New Testament. Our identity is in Christ. And we come into him through the open door of his body rent on the cross for us. That's what we're going to celebrate with the body and blood of Jesus. And when you come in through that door, then you become part of his flock. You become part of his work in the world, part of his, the extension of his body to do his work prepared beforehand for you to walk in. So first we commune with him. We have communication. And then we have identification. Only those who come through the door uh, I, I began to think this week, you know, there are not just mercenary shepherds, there are mercenary sheep, which are actually wolves dressed like sheep who come to church hoping that that will protect their business from having trouble. Or open the Bible on their dashboard trying to keep their car from having a wreck. That's not being a true sheep. Because a sheep follows the shepherd with the cross on their shoulder and says, now I'm part of Jesus. And I give my life to him and he, belong, he, he, he uses me however he likes. I am his and he is mine. But finally, there's mobilization. I think there's another slide there somewhere. Mobilization. I'm... I'm moved by this passage which says when he comes, the, sheep, the shepherd comes, he builds a door in his body, the gatekeeper opens the door, he walks through that very door and he becomes the good shepherd to do what? Not to camp out in the fold. See, he starts going in and out. Look at verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, like Pastor Samuel said, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Skip down to verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Walking with Jesus is walking. 
It's mobilization. It's going in and out. And I'm afraid so often in church we become swollen because it's all about coming to church. It's all about coming in. And that's great. Jesus says, come to me and rest, all you who are weary. But then he says, go and make disciples. Go and proclaim the gospel to all nations. Go, take what I've given you and feed the nations with the body and blood of Jesus, just like I've fed you. The the sheep die if they stay in the fold. Do you know what veal is? Have you ever eaten veal? I don't know, how do you, how do you say that in Portuguese? Is there a way to say veal in Portuguese? It's a, it's a, a, a milk-fed calf that is, that is uh, refused the opportunity to grow. In other words, the, the meat stays really tender, like calf meat would be, because the calf is not allowed to move. In fact, they build a box around the calf's body so that as it grows... Uh, It doesn't need to even use its legs. In fact, when it's full grown, which is not very big, it only eats milk all its short life so that somebody that likes veal can eat that tender meat. And its legs will not support its own body because it's never been allowed to walk. My friends, what a beautiful metaphor of a bad church. You just come here and sit here and drink milk all your life. Don't go do anything. Don't evangelize. Don't make any disciples. Don't tell anyone about Jesus. Just come back next Sunday and be sure and give your offering and we'll feed you milk. That's not the flock that John 10 talking about. It's this flock. It's go out and find pasture. What did Jesus say at the woman in the well? I have food that you don't know about yet. What is that food? To do the will of my Father. Maybe you're not growing in the Lord because you're not exercising the muscles that Calvary teaching have produced in your spiritual life. Go in and then go out. Follow the shepherd. And then come back next Sunday all beat up and bruised from the war, all worn out from feeding so many people, and get filled up. Talk to some of the missionaries around here. They'll tell you how that feels. Come here and say, Oh, I'm so glad I don't have to teach anybody today. I just need to be fed. Because you're using your muscles all week. If you're a sheep of the good shepherd, you're walking. And you're walking on trails that look like you're going to starve. Because the green pastures that he's leading you to are over the ridge. And you've got to walk to get there. And that's good for you. Mobilization is part of identification with Christ. We're finishing and we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But I want to tell you the story of my cousin Adrian. My cousin Adrian's an amazing painter, oil painter. She came out of a hippie lifestyle, grew up kind of in a church background, but never really grasped it, never believed it, very liberal. Moved to Colorado, lived in the woods for a while, tried to be a naturalist, but amazing painter. She'd paint pictures that were very strange. Like I remember seeing one of the curtain of her camper blowing in the wind. And... You know, she, she thought, well, why am I, I don't know why I'm painting that. Then she met Christ through a precious older lady that prayed for Susanna and me every day until she died. She really had an experience with Jesus. And she woke up to creation being his fingerprints, to her own heart and how selfish she was and how he could make her loving, truly loving, and not depend on other people, not be a mercenary. And one day she went out in the woods and she picked up one of those paintings. She said they were in the leaves. They'd been snowed on. She taught me that oil paintings are very resilient. She pulled it out and she brushed it off. And it was that one of the 
curtain blowing in the camper, and she said, that's the Holy Spirit. God was calling me in that moment when I was camping all by myself, and I didn't recognize his voice yet. And now I know his voice. Now I know he's a loving shepherd. Now I know him, and I recognize that long before I responded, God was calling me. God was shepherding me so that I could come to know him, to identify with him, and then to be mobilized to reach my community with the same thing that he reached me with. Do you know that voice? Has he called you out of yourself into his fold and then called you out again? On and on and on. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 